Well, we're continuing this morning with our Victorious Living class. And, um, well, we'll call it a series, not a class, I guess. So we can just kind of break in and out. But um, today I want to talk about anger and confrontation. And through all of the things that we talk about in this Victorious Living, remember that it's the devil trying to pull you out of acting spiritual and get you to react in your emotions. He's always trying to do things to get you to get into your emotions and get out of what God says. So anger is just another, anger is not a bad thing. It's okay to be angry. He says, if you're angry, sin not. And that's the big thing is we don't want to sin in our anger. Amen. Anger doesn't just go away. What happens is, is you get hurt and then you get angry. And unless you fix the hurt, excuse me, it's a little dry in here, isn't it? I forget with the heat, you get the dryness. But um, it, the hurt has to be resolved. And if it doesn't, what I usually demonstrate is I get a, a thing of Play-Doh, and I said, this is the hurt. And some people just try to hide it. And what happens is it kind of squishes out after a while. So what I want to do today is give you some tools. Because we have to confront the hurt. And it isn't always that we have to confront the person who hurt you. But we have to confront the hurt. And then we have to have repentance and forgiveness. First of all, we have to have forgiveness. Amen. And then if we do have to go to that person, then we have to have true forgiveness, true repentance before you can have true restoration. Sometimes people skip over those steps and they get back in relationship like if you've got an abusive person in your life and you go, well, I just forgive you, let's move on. Well, if there's not real repentance on the other side, you can't just move on because it's going to happen again and again and again. And then you're saying, well, you know, I forgave them and why is this happening? Well, because there's there's got to be something on that side. So hopefully we can get to the boundaries part. But I don't want to keep you all vague with this either. In first in Isaiah 1.18, it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So God's saying, come, let us reason together. He wants us to come and reason together. Confrontation is just, if it's done right, it's just, come, let's reason together. Let's sit down. Let's try to figure it out. It doesn't mean that you just unload on somebody, although I think we've all done that, not meaning to. But sometimes you just get so frustrated and just unload on somebody. But confrontation means it requires you to be prepared to listen. Sometimes we think we're right all the time, especially if we're mad at somebody. We don't try to look at their side of it. So if you want true confrontation, you need to sit down with that other person and you need to be prepared to listen. Because they have a side too. And I know that goes contrary to when we were talking about, you know, sometimes the sides. Remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about the sides. There's his side and then sometimes there's... So sometimes there are two sides to the story, and you need to be willing to listen for true, con- con- for true repent, for true 
restoration. So anger is a signal. It's something is out of order, and it may be you that's out of order. It may not be that other person at all. Somebody ever said something that triggered an old something or other? Something they said that was like, I've heard that before, and I didn't like that. The order may may be in your, your feelings, your home, your attitude, your job, but something is not the order. So anger is a signal. And it should be a signal to you that you need a course correction. Anger is a good diagnostic tool if you let it identify a past hurt or a present hurt that needs resolution. So anger is not bad. We see a lot of anger out in the streets. That's bad anger. Because they've just been they've been programmed to be angry and to be out of control. When we see those riots of 2020, remember the summer of love? <laughs> and, you know, when we saw that stuff, that was just out of control anger and demonic anger. But I'm not talking about that. But it can get to that even in our lives. If we don't take care of the hurts, it can grow to that point. Anger can be a result of jealousy, envy, and it can also be a result of you setting poor boundaries. See, sometimes we get mad and they go like, well, they did it to me again. Well, it's up to you to set a boundary then. If something happens over and over and you're getting angry at it, then ask God and say, God, can I set a different boundary? Is somebody spilling over into my boundaries all the time? So it might be that you need to just say no more. You know, if you're getting mad because somebody's always asking you for money and you're giving it to them and go, oh, there they go again. Well, how about no? There's a boundary. There it is. Problem solved. Now, they'll get angry, but if they didn't watch the class, they won't know what to do. <laughs> so there's... Nothing wrong with you having desires. We don't want to be jealous of somebody else that has something because God has enough for everybody. So don't get mad just because somebody looks like they have a better life than you. Be grateful for what you have. Especially in these upcoming days where we're facing a lot of hard times. So we want to be grateful. Don't ever get into that complaining. You know, I don't have anything and you know, God's given you, I love that song, I've got a roof on my head, I've got shoes on my feet. Be thankful. Some of these problems that we talk about in Victorious Living are a direct result of ingratitude. So we have to remember Cain. We talked about Cain quite a bit. You can go back and listen to that. But Cain was hurt because... God refused his sacrifice, and he was angry at Abel. But when God confronted him, okay, what, what did God do with Cain? And this is, our, this is our blueprint for anger. Okay, Cain was angry. God brought him in for confrontation. What was that? Come, let us reason together, Cain. Because he didn't love Abel more. What was he trying to do? He was trying to bring him back. To the place of repentance to do the right thing. But it, but Cain didn't listen. See, we have a free choice. If somebody tries to confront us and tries to bring us back into reason, 
We have a choice. Are we going to listen? Or are we going to become bitter and withdraw even more? And Cain decided not to. He let his point he let his anger become to the point of rage and then murder. So God Cain was looking for God to bless him, although he didn't do the right thing. He was wrong and he didn't admit it. How many times have we gotten in trouble because we were wrong and we didn't admit it? You know, we got angry because somebody hurt our feelings. And that other person may not even be aware of it. God confronted Cain and offered Cain a way out, but Cain did not accept it because he pridefully insisted that his way was right. And that's when your hurt is to your detriment. Somebody's trying to help you, and you're like, nope, nope, I'm all right, I'm all right. So he wanted Abel's blessing without doing what Abel did, and that caused, it opened the door to jealousy, and instead of immediately closing that door, he meditated on how he would like to eliminate competition. So we have to remember that our hurt, when you get hurt, you better examine it and say, okay, God, you know, I need help, I need input. What what can I, how, what is my part in it? Why am I hurt? And you can do that. You can train yourself to do it so it doesn't take, like, forever to do it. Get, get somebody who can help you, somebody you can vent to that's safe, that's not going to go blabbing all your business all over Aubrey. Get somebody who's safe that you can just confide in and say, this happened, I'm really angry about it, and I don't know what to do with it. And they can help you, because it says in Galatians, it says, you who are spiritual, restore one another. Get somebody who's mature, who can just be a sounding board, that can listen and say, well, you know, I see this, but I also see this side of the story with that. So you get some kind of perspective on it before you just go running off. So apparently Cain didn't want to do that. So how can you tell if you have jealous anger? One of the indicators is if you're wounded because someone is blessed and you think you deserve it. So that's one of the things that you got to look out for when you're jealously angry. Another indicator is that you may begin to criticize them. People who are critical really need help, especially Christians, where they criticize whatever you know another church is doing or another Christian or another ministry or another, and they start criticizing and nitpicking. Well, you don't even know anything about it. So why are you criticizing it? Why? Because you've got that hurt in there that you think it should be you doing it. So we have to be careful with that. God has enough blessings for everyone. He hasn't left you out. He hasn't left your ministry out. Sometimes God holds back because you're not mature enough to go forward. And if you went forward at that point, you'd crash and burn, and God wouldn't be able to do what he wanted to do through you. So we have to exhibit patience sometimes. If Cain had obeyed God, he would have received the blessing. But Cain reacted in bitterness, and he meditated on it. Isn't it funny how you can have a perfectly good day, and one thing happens that's negative, and now the rest of your day is consumed. You're bombarded with these thoughts. Has that ever happened to anybody? And it's like, man, you just can't. It's like, I don't want to think it. 
And I said to Clarence this morning, I said, the great thing is, is we can only think one thing at a time. We can do it. You start getting thoughts of, ooh, and you start replaying it in your head. And see, this is what's happening when you go back to look at the memory trees. All the devil is trying to do with that, as he gets you to replay it, is he's trying to make it stronger in your memory. So what you need to do when you start thinking about it is leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and just leave it there. And trust God and say, God, I can't, I'm mad, I can't handle it, and I'm going to just leave it there. And start singing that little song or say a scripture or do something that, and then just every time those thoughts come, you're going to have to just leave it there. Don't let a little hurt be a stronghold in your mind. Because it can be. I mean, I've heard stories of people 20 years because something happened at somebody's funeral and they weren't acknowledged and they're still bitter about it after 20 years. Why? Because they let that one little incident get in their head and they replayed it over and over and over. So don't stop it right at this right at the beginning and say, nope, not going to do that. I'm going to stop. It says, I am the Lord, I change not. God sets good boundaries. Many times people can't accept responsibility for themselves and they have to blame others. And what impressed me about the Freedom House on Sunday night, every single one of those men said, I was raised in a good home. I was brought to church. And God answered the parents' prayers, because they were there to say, it, it wasn't my family life that led me down this road. Amen? Yeah. And even if you had a less than stellar family, it still isn't your fault if your kids go haywire, because they have their own choice. Mm -hmm. They have their choice. I thought it was great mm -hmm. to have grown men who are set free from drugs and alcohol say, it wasn't my family's fault was my fault. And, and that's what we have to remember is we have to accept responsibility. God sets good boundaries. He didn't change them for Cain and go, oh, you poor little baby. We'll just accept it this time, but next time, no, God didn't do that. He said, do the right thing, Cain, and you'll be blessed. Simple. It says, for where envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. The devil knows if he can keep you agitated and upset, you'll be an ineffective Christian. Because anger is such a distraction. If you've got a little hurt and somebody says something, let's say somebody hurt you. And you just pushed it down. You, didn't, you just kind of ignored it. And then this other person comes up and goes, wow, that pastor is so awesome. And you're like, if you only knew what he did. <laughs> but you don't say that. You just kind of push it down and then you get madder and madder and madder. The devil knows he can if he can distract you, he can steal your peace. He can steal your joy. He can steal everything that you have because you may walk out and leave the church and never come back. You may leave a friendship. You may leave a marriage. You may leave something that God intended to bless you with, and you may leave it because of a hurt 
that grew into a stronghold in your mind and it wasn't even real. And maybe that other person doesn't even know that they hurt you because you never told them. A wounded spirit is fertile ground for bitterness and resentment. And you have to watch a wounded spirit. You have to be careful. A healthy spirit can get over offenses a lot easier. Even healthy people, though, have to vent sometimes to that safe place. Even if you just take it to the Lord in your prayer closet, you need a place to sometimes vent. Amen? Sometimes you just need to get it out. It's kind of like that tea kettle that's got some steam to it. If you block that steam thing, it's going to explode. But you can take it to the prayer. You can take it to a safe friend and just talk about it. They can pray with you. They can help you get a right perspective. And then you can move on about it. If you have soul sickness and unresolved conflict, you may be easily and regularly offended. Do people have to walk on eggshells around you? Well, if they do, then you need to examine you, not them. Do you have unresolved conflict, which is expressing itself in a perpetually hurt mode? You can tell when people are hurt. They don't have joy. It says in Proverbs 19.11, Good sense makes a man restrain his anger, and it is a glory to overlook a transgression or offense. Sometimes you just need to let things go and not meditate on it, but just let it go. If something upsetting happens, turn to scripture and let anger be a positive motivating force rather than a negative emotion. If somebody says something to you, oh, do you know that, sometimes you just need to let it go, like water off of a duck's back. Don't take the bait. Don't take the offense. In these last days, many are going to be offended. We're going to have offense flying at us like arrows in the last days. Don't take the bait. It's not worth it because you're going to lose the blessing of the Lord. Learn how to confront people. But everything doesn't need to be confronted. Does that make sense? Like if I say, um, I don't like your shoes. Okay. Oh, excuse me, sir. Um, could you shut your phone off in the service? <laughs> and then the phone went off in the service. But, you know, it, it, some, somebody said something like that. I don't like your shoes, or I don't like the fact that the phone went off in the service. Well, now he's got a choice. He can be offended. And go, well, you know, well, I didn't do anything about it. I didn't look at him. You can't see him on Facebook, but he's got his arms crossed and he's upset. But see, it's those little things. You let a hurt in like that, and it can ruin your marriage. She's always picking on me. What's wrong with my shoes? Well, you've got one black one on and one brown one on. Can't you dress yourself? Uh, you can let little things like that. And then there has to come a point maybe where somebody has to say, you know what, you're always saying these things to cut me down and I don't like it. So then the other person's got to say, well, yeah, I think I do and I think I need to change. 
But, you know, if you're wearing two different colored shoes, maybe I should tell you before you leave the house. So, see, there's a give and a take. So, anger is not a sin. It just tells you something's wrong. And God meant anger to be used as a tool to help protect you. Even when you are wrong, learn to see anger as a signal. That there's a hurt somewhere lurking behind that anger. You can't control an emotion's presence. Anger is an emotion. You notice anger is not one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's an emotion. The devil wants to get you out of walking in the Spirit and walking in your emotion. I feel, and this is what's happening with this generation, you know, the church has to meet people's felt needs. No, we don't have to meet your felt needs. We have to tell you that you need to be born again, and we need to preach the gospel to you. I mean, yes, we will help you with physical needs and emotional needs and everything else, but the duty of the church is to preach the gospel. It's not to work in the emotional realm. Amen? And that's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to get each and every one of us to operate in the emotional realm with anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and so we can get pulled out of that spiritual place that God has ordained for us and get into our emotions and live by them. Hurt and anger go together. You can't control an emotion's presence, but you can control its expression. We can't control it. I mean, if somebody hurts you, you can't control you can't control somebody else. You can try and it's gonna make you miserable. Because now you've got your life to take care of and theirs. You can't control what other people think or other people do. You can't do it. You waste all your energy and you'll feel upset. Hurt and anger go together. It's normal and natural to be angry when you've been violated or feel wronged. Hurt is the result of feeling not valued. Hurt comes from feeling abandoned, used, or condemned. And anger is the reaction to the hurt. But anger motivates you. It can be a protection mechanism, too. Because anger motivates you to say no to wrong and yes to right. Righteous anger is the feeling of being wronged, and it propels you to take action on your own behalf. Like that person that keeps coming and borrowing money from you and saying they're going to pay it back at the end of the week. And you're on week 52, and they still haven't come to pay it back at the end of the week. And that you're getting a little angry about it. Well, that's good because it's gonna—it should propel you to take action and set some boundaries. We've been trained sometimes in Christendom to think that no is a bad word. If somebody comes and asks for something, and if we say no, then we're bad Christians. Because sometimes in this twisted Christianity, it's like, well, Jesus wants me to be a giver. Well, yeah, he wants you to be a giver, but he wants you to be a good steward as well. And if you're giving to somebody who's going to waste your hard-earned money, that's not good stewardship. And if you continue and repeatedly do it, of course you're going to get angry because you're out of order somewhere. Remember, anger is a, a signal that something's out of order. Right anger is the feeling of being wrong propels you to take action. Wrong anger is the kind of displeasure you feel when things don't go your way. So we can be wrong and angry just because, you know, we're having a little hissy and we didn't get 
what we want. We could be angry about that too. You have to be willing to admit when you're wrong or you'll have a lot of selfish anger, strife, and contention. So there is selfish anger too. When you feel angry, it should signal you're being violated. You've been violated in the past. Sometimes we have old hurts that we haven't reconciled. And we have fresh anger all the time. Why? Because it sits there in our spirit. And if it doesn't get resolved, it just grows and grows and grows. If upon examination you determine that it's because of the past hurt, then resolve the past hurt. I mean... Some of these things aren't easy because we bury them so much we don't want to admit it. And we're, we're, we've got that shame going. We, we've got all these things going. But you'll see that if you have a past hurt that's really been dogging you and you leave it at the altar and you get some help, sometimes you might need some therapy, sometimes you might need a counseling session, sometimes you might need something to get to, to bridge it until you get free of it. But do the work to get free of the hurts. And then you'll stop being angry. You won't slam the door. You won't break things. I knew somebody would break pencils. Not you, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> you sharpen pencils. <laughs> but they used to break pencils. And it's like, why, why are you doing that? But they were so angry that they had to get rid of that frustration. When an incident doesn't get resolved at the time of occurrence, when you had that positive anger to do it, you will experience destructive anger. It's a law. It's a rule. You can't take a hurt without resolution. You can't have a hurt. It's got to be resolved. You know, if you think of it as a wound, like Sister Frances has that wound on her leg, it's got to be healed. If she just ignores the wound, what's going to happen is it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. And that's the same thing with a hurt. If you can look at the hurt, like if any of you have seen her leg, it's got that big, it had that big thing on it, kind of icky. But um, if she just let it go, it wouldn't be healed. And if you have a hurt in your spirit, it's not going to, it's not going to be any better. If you think of that festering wound. That's what happens. And it poisons the whole body and infects everything. Anger. Oh, if you don't resolve it at the time of occurrence, you will experience destructive anger. The goal is a confrontation to make that everybody is in a win-win situation. Both sides are a win-win. I know that's kind of lofty aspirations if you're dealing with somebody who can be kind of a jerk. But... That's what we aim for is a win-win, amen? Because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against our neighbor. We're not wrestling against our husband or our wife or other church people or family members. We're not wrestling against them. We're wrestling against powers and principalities of darkness. So we want to get anger to be a win-win. We don't want it to be an I won, you lost. You know, I'm better than you. No, those are the way the world deals with stuff, not with the way Christians do. So if we don't use it, it angers an emotion that God gave to us. It is an expression of his character, and he intends us to use anger constructively. If you go back and read, God got pretty mad at points in history. 
He wanted to wipe out the whole thing of Israel, and Moses talked him out of it. He was going to wipe them out. He says, well, Lord, if you do that, then other people are going to say, well, you know, the God, God snuffed them out. Maybe you want to rethink that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of an oversimplification. But God, anger is a part of God's character. We're going to see the wrath of God poured out on the earth. Well, hopefully we don't see it. If we do, then um, we're in big trouble <laughs> because that means we miss the rapture. Mm-hmm. But um, the wrath of God is going to... So, God, anger is part of God's character. Amen? Look it up. It's true. But because anger has been often misused, many people are afraid of anger. I mean, I, I can tell you, I don't like people that are out of control. How many of you like people that are out of control? I don't like it. I don't look forward to seeing out of control people. Why? Because they're scary. They can hurt somebody. But many people suppress it, and then it comes out an unhealthy expression. And neither the hurt nor the anger get resolved. It only grows. So this is what to do. When a situation arises that causes you to become hurt, then angered, we got three things you can choose to do. Number one, confront your feelings, work toward resolution. Okay, that's probably, that's like your uh, loftiest goal. That's your win-win. We try to resolve it. Now, theoretically, just because we're talking about it, and this is a um, like a lab, like a learning lab, um, it doesn't always work out so good when you confront somebody because they may not want to be a part of it. So, and the, the scripture for that is Matthew 18, 15 through 20. It says, if your brother trespasses against thee, go and tell his fault between thee and him alone. But that's the whole scripture if you want to read it. Um, If you tell your neighbor the fault, then what happens is sometimes, like let's say I had a controversy with Clarence, with Pastor Clarence, and I told Doris about it. Now Doris is upset at Pastor Clarence for how he treated me. So I've transferred my hurt to Doris. Unbeknownst to Doris, Pastor Clarence and I worked it out. So I said some pretty rotten things about him to her, and now she's carrying the hurt that I had toward him, and now she's mad at him. But do you see? No, think about it. Think about think about what I said, and think about times when you've told somebody else about an incident that happened to you. And they get mad at that person. It's secondary anger. But what you've done is you've transferred that hurt to that person. And now Doris isn't going to look at him the same way because she's going, I know, you're preaching from the pulpit. You think you're so high and mighty. But I know better because his wife told me this. So see, when you're angry, be very careful. Don't spread it around. Because he and I resolved it. Now she's got the anger. Now she's got to resolve it. It's called gossip. That's what happens. People get upset at one thing. And they feel like they've got to tell the whole world about it. Find somebody you trust. Tell them. Let them be a sounding board. And you'll get over it. Take it to the Lord. 
and leave it there. Sometimes when someone has offended us by disregarding our boundaries, we may lack the courage to tell them. If you truly love someone, you will go to them, even if you need help doing it. Learn to go to that person. That was one of the things when Clarence and I wrote our own marriage vows. I won't say anything about Clarence that I won't say to him. Amen? I won't say anything about Doris to anybody that I won't say to her. I won't say anything about any one of you in this room that I wouldn't say to your face. Be that type of a person. Be trustworthy that you can you can know that somebody's not the worst thing you know, the worst thing that can happen to your emotions is to find out somebody's talked about you behind their back. And it does come back. So be the type of person that I won't say anything about you that I wouldn't say to me. Amen? Be a safe person. That's a safe person. Somebody you can trust. But then, there again, then you need somebody who's spiritual to sometimes help you to get through these rough spots because I had to learn how to confront. I was a bad confronter. I still am a bad confronter because I just want everybody to get along and like each other. So... I just assume let everything go. And it's like, no, you can't let this go. You have to confront it. So I'm still working on that part because I don't like confrontation. Scary confrontation. I don't like it. Just scares me. So I try not to do it and try not. So I try not to let anything offend me. But then if you get hurt about it, see, people like me have to be careful because then if you get hurt, you have a tendency to bury it so far that you don't even know why you're hurt or why your anger comes out at times when you're going, oh, stupid, 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 or something like that. The other type of person, you know, they just, they're offended. They let you know right up front, I'm offended. That was really bad. And you're like, huh? I just told you, we're in two different shoes. And now you're like, it's World War III. So we got to find a balance between the two people, Amen. Not be wildly angry, but not be a doorman either, which is number two. Okay, so number one was we want to win-win, so we're going to confront according to the biblical standards. Always the best way to go back to the Bible. God, how do I handle it? Well, it says in Matthew 18 how to handle it. Go to that person. But they're scary. Well, you pray first. Rehearse it with another person. Write down the conversation. Do what you have to do, but confront that person. The sooner the better for your sake so you're not having to spend a lot of head time with it. But it's scary if you don't know how to do it. That's when you need help. Amen? Is this helping anybody? Is it helping anybody to see anything? Okay, so number two is suppress your feelings, which is suppress your feelings is what I have a tendency to do or had a tendency to do and it, why? Because they may not be safe to feel them, or you may not want to deal with them. So that's a poor way to do things, is to suppress your feelings. That was from growing up, from being molested, from, you know, not, and I'm not blaming my parents, please. I just wrote a blog, a blog thing on not blaming your parents, and I'm not, but that's the truth, is that I learned how to suppress things early on in life, and I didn't know any other way how to deal with things, but just suppress them. So what happens to them? 
It allows others to trample your personality, plunder your emotions. And what happens to that person is they become frozen inside. You can't feel joy. You can't feel love. You can't feel peace. You can't feel any emotions. Why? Because you're too busy covering up your feelings. You cover one feeling, okay? You cover your anger. Well, it's not like your feelings are like this. They're like this. So you start plopping the dirt on them. Well, you've covered your anger all right, but you've also covered your joy. You ever felt like you're frozen inside? I did for years until I got deliverance from it. Yeah. And so what do you do? You cover your anger, but you've effectively covered all your emotions. It isn't like you've just covered your anger up. See, I wish we could look into the emotional realm and see exactly how we're wired. I mean, we can look in the physical realm. We see our heart. We see our lungs. I saw our cats. Um, she recently had an x-ray. You could see their skeleton things. We can see the physical, but wouldn't it be cool to just look into the emotional realm and see how we're made up? I think it would be really cool. I would, I would love to do that. But see, when you cover your anger, then you've covered everything else up. So if you can't feel joy, you can't feel love, you can't feel peace, then check and see if you've covered something. If you've covered your anger because you've been hurt and you've covered that hurt. So that's number two, is suppress your feelings. People who deal with hurts like that develop inward passive anger. Passive anger is worse than outright anger. I'd rather have somebody be angry outright than be passive aggressive. And I'll tell you a true story. I was married to a man who was passive aggressively angry. And if I said one thing, he wouldn't talk to me for three days, but I couldn't figure out what I said that triggered the, the anger. I'd rather have somebody tell me something than just shut me off and not do anything. That was the worst of it, because you, you don't know what you're saying, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know how to act. So your attitude becomes, it's okay, I'm a doormat. You can do whatever you want to me, because I don't matter. This causes a withdrawal into self, depression, and passivity, and it creates a victim mentality. Passive anger causes apathy, which is absence of emotion, lack of interest or concern, coolness, indifference, and insensitivity. So when we start marrying things, and we go, well, that's okay. Do you ask women who've been abused by their husbands, are you mad? Oh, no, I'm not mad. And it's like, I think you've got some anger on the bottom that you need to address. Because if somebody hit me like that, I'd be really angry. So that's number two. And it does come out. Remember, just because it's hidden doesn't mean it doesn't rear up its little it's a little head now and then. It comes out in criticism. It comes out in sarcasm. It comes out in um, withdrawal. People who hide their anger tend to withdraw and isolate themselves because then you get the shame with, you know, why somebody's so angry with you. There's a lot of different things with it. Okay, so we've got the right way to do it, Matthew 18. Then we got suppress your feelings. So guess what, number three? Be wildly angry at everyone and express it in out-of-control behavior, either physically or ver verbally. Obvious problems with this way of coping with your hurt. That's really obvious. Don't be wildly out of control. This person is quick-tempered, offended at any perceived wrong, even unrelated to the original hurt. 
Sometimes people are wildly angry because of a hurt that they've tried to ignore. Maybe they were treated badly in childhood and they never got it resolved. So you say something very innocently to them, which you think is funny, like <laughs> you wore a brown and a black shoe today. Well, unbeknownst to me, he got beaten for that when he was a kid and he's never resolved it. So that causes him to be wildly angry at me to direct that anger that's still sitting in his spirit and he's going to direct that hurt and that anger at me for saying something that triggered him. See, triggering, it, it is real. Even though sometimes you look at people that they're triggered because you didn't use the right pronoun or whatever. But um, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. That thing is out of control if I don't use your right pronoun. I mean, that's kind of, that's just like grow up and, you know, use the pronouns that we use for centuries. Use those. And then nobody's upset. Of course, then some people don't even know whether they're men or women. So, anyways. But the wildly angry person has got some hurt buried that's coming out. These people that are doing this on the street have some hurt that they've been told, real or perceived, that's become a stronghold in their mind. So you say something to them, and it can become wildly confrontational pretty quickly. So we learn how to control our, our response to the hurt. Don't excuse your bad behavior because you were hurt as a child or you were hurt in your marriage or you were hurt. If you have bad behavior, own up to it. Those men that owned up to it Sunday night were able to get free because they owned up to it. Own up to it. Say, you know what? I was out of control and I am sorry. Or I did tell you, never mind. You know, you didn't do anything to me. That's okay. But it, it's not okay. It hurt me. And I want you to know that it hurt me. And then tell them why. And then let give them a chance to respond. Because it takes, it's two people working. Learn how to be a truthful person, no matter how much it hurts. And the one who learns how to approach people in love. We want to approach people in love. You know, I love you, but I want you to know that what you said hurt me. Okay, in 2 Timothy, it's the whole thing is 2.22 through 26. It says, but refuse, shun in your mind, have nothing to do with trifling, stupid controversies over ignorant questionings, for you know that fosters strife and breeds quarrels. Be the person that doesn't breed quarrels. Amen? God is never hard or harsh with us. He only wants reconciliation and restoration. Love confronts. Your willingness to confront or not confront someone is an indication of how deep you love them. If you just want, if you just see somebody walking off a cliff and you don't say anything to them, how deep is your love? You know? Well, I gave them a parachute. I guess that's good enough. No, it's not. If you see somebody doing something, see, it's healthy. For people, and this is why cancel culture is very unhealthy. But I think you already know that. I don't like to be out of fellowship 
with people. So I'll resolve it quickly. I'm learning how not to bury. I'm really way far away from that because I, I can feel. I used to not be able to feel anything because I had hit for so much. But listen to this. It's healthy for people to have different opinions. This is why cancel culture is its so unhealthy. If I, you go along and agree with everything that I do, I don't have a safety net. If you tell me everything's fine and I'm headed toward, toward a cliff and I'm looking at you and I'm ready to step off and you just say, go ahead and do it, well, that's not healthy. That's not a healthy relationship. But that's what they're trying to do in this country is stifle any other opinion because they don't want people to be healthy. The people who are controlling this don't want healthy people emotionally. They want to cancel you. Oh, you don't like Black Lives Matter? Well, canceled. You don't like this? Well, canceled. But it's healthy. It's a safety net. There's a safety net when there's different of opinion because you have to realize that not everybody is the same. I may disagree, but because I may be headed in a wrong direction, but because you don't want to disagree with me, I can go off that cliff and land in disaster. So sometimes confrontation is very good. We have to increase our love for one another so we love them enough to tell them the truth and get them out of the dangerous situations. God says to us, I love you so much that I'm going to tell you the truth in love, and if you accept and do what I say, you'll be free. And that's what he tried to do with Cain. He loved Cain. He didn't say, well, you know, just forget it. You know, Gabriel, Michael, come on, let's just leave him. You know, there's no hope for him. No, he tried to confront Cain. He tried to get him to, to do the right thing. He said, if you do the right thing, you'll have the right thing. So he tried to confront him. Then Jesus said to his disciples in John 8:31-32 to those Jews who then Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him if you continue in my word then you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Hidden anger isn't really hidden you're only fooling yourself if you think hidden anger is hidden. You're you're really just kidding yourself. Unresolved anger can express itself as sarcasm criticism, negativity, superiority, distancing, rolling your eyes. All these things signify something's wrong on the inside. Hidden anger is like a river of pollution. It creates an anger, angry undercurrent or strife in your spirit. Hidden anger also may seek to express itself by trying to cause division and may try to undermine a person or an organization. Unresolved hurts are a very good tool of the devil. So that's why we have the problem we have in this country now, is because we've got people who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and I've said this before, with quote unquote, anger toward their parents, unresolved hurts, and their parents are like, ah, you know, what did I do? What did I do? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, and for these people, it's never enough. Why? Because they've been given over to this angry spirit. It says in Proverbs 22.8, He who sows iniquity will reap calamity and futility, and the rod of his wrath, which he smites others, will fail. 
I'm going to do that one again. He who sows iniquity or sin will reap calamity and futility, and the rod of his wrath, which he smites others, will fail. An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. So if you do not confront your hurts, the resulting anger will always be expressed. It will not dissipate when you be angry, however, as long as you don't confront the hurt. It may level off for a while, you may forget about it for a while, but it remains inside of you until the hurt gets resolved. The other person may be absolutely clueless. I didn't know you got beaten when you had two different color shoes on. <laughs> I didn't know. People are not mind readers, and they may not know you're angry with them. You know, which is what my ex-husband told me was, well, you know, you know what you did. <laughs> and it's like, no, I really don't. I'm not trying to be a smart person. I'm just, you know, you know what you did. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not a mind reader. So people are not mind readers, and they may not even know you're angry with them. They may sense you're unhappy, but may attribute it to something else, especially if you're dishonest to them and say you're just dealing with something or something similar because you don't want to deal with them. So you say, well, you know, what's wrong, honey? Oh, nothing. Just a hard day. Don't feel like talking. And really, in the inside, you're ripping mad at them, but you don't want to deal with that. So you just kind of just send them off in a different direction. Well, that's not the way you do things. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Do not be quick in spirit to be angry or vexed, for anger and vexation lodges in the bosom of fools. Matthew Henry says that anger may come into the bosom of a wise man, but it rests only in the bosom of a fool. I thought, that's good. That's really good. I like that. First James 1, 19 and 21. Understand this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to take offense and to get angry. For man's anger does not promote the righteousness God wishes and requires. So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness, and in a humble spirit receive and welcome the word which is implanted and rooted in your hearts, and that contains the power to save your souls. Listen to what James has said. Listening is a lost skill. Listen more, talk less. Sometimes when a person is upset, your job is to listen and not try to fix it. Sometimes if somebody's angry, just sit there and listen to them. And then when they take a breath and they get into a place where they're a little more reasonable, then you can talk to them. Sometimes just keeping still when someone else is upset lets them blow off steam and that can avoid conflict. If they're mad at you, maybe they're not even mad because you mentioned the two shoes were wrong. Maybe they weren't even mad at that. Maybe they were mad because the, the internet wasn't working this morning. I mean, you know, uh, do you see there's so many multiple things with this. But, you know, maybe somebody just gets mad at you because they're, they're having a hard day somewhere else. And we say something that, you know, we mean it to be funny. Ha ha, look at that. And it's like, well, you know, maybe he's having an insecure moment. 
You know, try to give somebody space. You know, try not to escalate an incident by jumping in. Give the other person time to regain their composure, then you can talk to them rationally. If a person is irrational, you really cannot communicate to them. You ever notice that? You get somebody that just, yeah, and you're trying to say, but let's look at this. And you gotta wait, give them space, let, let the steam blow out, and then you can maybe sit down and say, okay, now let's talk. Learn to be quick to sincerely forgive, and if you think you've offended somebody, go to them. Okay, sometimes I've thought I've offended somebody and I've gone to them and they go, what? And I, no, you didn't offend me. But it's like, no, I want to get it off of me because I feel like I shouldn't have said that. Never lay a guilt trip on anybody when you forgive them and call that true forgiveness. Don't ever say, like that woman said to me, well, the Bible says I have to forgive you, so I will. But you're still a worm. You know, don't do me any favors. Someday you may need to forgive somebody, so don't just be nice. Just be careful how you sow. Often people lash out at others because of her frustration that's not connected. Ministers of reconciliation can help someone out of trouble by a sincere apology. We are all in this together, and nobody is perfect. That's the bottom line. Nobody's perfect. Ask God to help you. If, you. if you're having trouble confronting, ask God to help you with that. If you have trouble with lashing out, ask God to help you with that. Amen? And don't give up until that hurt is covered. Get help with it. Get some kind of therapy. Get somebody you trust. Get help for the hurt so you can stop being so angry. God will give you the strength. So how do we deal with our feelings of anger in a proper manner? First of all, acknowledge your hurt feelings. And if you had violated somebody else's boundaries, then ask for forgiveness. Be quick to forgive the offender. Okay, if somebody hurt your feelings, I know, Clarence, I hurt your feelings by laughing at you, by your, your shoes. Now he's got to be the bigger person because he's the minister. Well, actually, so am I, but in this case, he's got to be the bigger person, and he's got to be quick to forgive. This is in an ideal situation, okay? And none of this is ideal because you're dealing with people, but um, you understand this is our win-win. Okay, be quick to forgive, and then after you have forgiven somebody who has offended you or hurt your feelings... Let your feelings have some time to catch up with your quality decision. Okay, because the thoughts are going to come back. The incident's going to be replayed in your head. Why? Because we have an enemy that is seeking to destroy whatever he can out of relationships. So he's going to keep trying to replay it and replay it and replay it. And what you have to say is, I've forgiven it. I've gotten help for it. I don't have that hurt anymore. And you have to keep telling your emotions to line up with your quality decision to forgive. Amen? That can be a full-time job. But put the time in so you don't let it become a stronghold and let bitterness. It says, be careful that you don't let a bitter root grow in. 
So forgive the offender and then confront that person who hurt you, according to Matthew 18. So you're going to have to confront them. You know, if you feel it's like a little thing, like, all right, you know, she mocked my shoes. Maybe I should do better when I'm dressing myself. Or, Pat, you think it's so bad? Well, then you get my shoes out and help me get the right shoes out. Come to, co- confront and sit there and say, let's, wait, let's make a solution, honey. You're wearing a tennis shoe. You know, one day it was black shoe, brown shoe. This day it's tennis shoe, black shoe. You know, and you sit down and you talk about it. Okay, I see you're having trouble with your shoes. How, you know, how can I help you to do that? Let's lay them out. Let's, let's find a solution to it. Okay, shoes are easy. But there's some things that aren't that easy. That's why I'm just using the shoe thing. But if it's a huge, huge hurt, then you may have to get some therapy and some help with it from another person, organization, and then sit down and confront that person. You know, bigger things that are bigger than shoes. Repair your broken heart, because when you get hurt, you have a broken heart. And then repair your relationship with that person if possible. I think we can do this. I just put your shoes out, and now you can't go back in there and change your mind on what you're going to wear. Right. Okay. So, and then one more thing. There's the absurd premise that I'm entitled to be angry and this is the this is our culture right now is I'm entitled to be mad at my parents. I'm entitled, I'm entitled. I'm sorry you're not entitled to any compensation because you've been hurt. We've all been hurt. Or oftentimes people think because there is no confrontation they take things into their own hands, justify wrong behavior by thinking that they're owed something and because they've been hurt. No one owes you anything including the person who has wronged you. You really need to understand that even though they should apologize, they're not obligated to do so. I'm not obligated to apologize just because I mocked your shoes. I'm not obligated. It'd be good for me to do it. It'd be the right thing. But I'm not obligated. Tough. You don't like it? Tough. Okay? But because you've been hurt and you're now angry about it, it's not justification for a poor attitude. Okay? Nobody owes us an apology. Nobody owes us reparations. You notice the people that are screaming about reparations? They weren't slaves. They They weren't here. I've talked to some of you who have actually picked cotton or picked peanuts and have actually done work that people are screaming that only black people did. And it's not true. No. <laughs> There's no reparations for that. Nobody owes you anything. Get get off your high horse and get to work. If you're young, right? And if you're older and you're bitter and angry, just get the hurt out and understand that nobody owes you anything. He who willfully, I think this is the last one, he who will, Proverbs 18, 1, he who willfully separates and estranges himself from God and man seeks his own desire and pretext to break out against all wise and sound judgment. Many times when people are offended, they just leave or make themselves scarce. It's a childish way to do a conflict. But sometimes because we don't have tools in our boxes 
and we're immature, we need to learn how to do conflict. That's where you need to get your help and you get your therapy to learn. Remember, that doesn't make the conflict go away just because you make yourself scarce from somebody. It's unfair because it doesn't give the other person an opportunity to defend themselves and it causes unnecessary division. You can't grow if you hold on to anger, amen? Get rid of the hurt, deal with the anger, learn how to deal with it healthy, learn how to confront people in love. It's not so scary after a while if you get used to it. That's why I love my husband so much because I can tell him things. When you love somebody and you trust them, you know that they're not going to bite you back later on because you said something they didn't like. You can go to them and say, this is, you know, I, I really feel this way or I feel that way. And you can do it. Amen. Unfortunately, we have a lot of people that are just selfish. So it, it's going to take an act of God for us to get rid of the hurts, to get rid of the anger, and to just live, live free. But don't bury it anymore, amen? Get help with it. There's plenty of help available to get rid of hurts, amen? Pastor, you want to come and just close it out, or do you want me to just close it out here? Thank <laughs> you.